Here we go. You are listening to Rumination Thursday on Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Good Ascension Day, Pastor Reimnitz. Uh, you beat me to a happy Ascension to you. Yes. We could talk a lot about the Ascension. We could talk about how Jesus is a heavenly prophet, priest, and king. We can talk about how when he ascended into heaven, he was restored to using all of his divine attributes in his humanity. Uh, we could talk a lot about him coming back. But today, I want to focus in light of an that you have sent to me about the disciples. Did they have a wonderful life after Jesus well, ascended into heaven? No. And, and, you know, some of these articles that, I've, that we're going to take a look at, I mean, answers a question or raises a question. Jesus there in Acts 1.8 says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, and to the end of the earth. What does it mean for us today to in and there? And you raised the question, did the disciples have a wonderful life? Uh, they get thrown into jail, they get beaten, they get run out of town for sharing the gospel, being witnesses. In fact, you can almost say they have a target on their back. And that's the email that was written by Dr. Michael Brown, He's a head of a nationally syndicated line of radio programs, written a book on this. And we need to realize that as a Christian, what he is saying is that you need to have a target on your back. And if you don't have a target on your back, then we're doing something wrong. He told a story about how he was going to work for an organization that, um, well, what were they worried about? <laughs> they were worried about what LGBTQ activists might target them for criticism and attack, that they would have to take a position in this culture war. Exactly. And they were kind of worried that even though they agreed with the positions of Michael Brown, they were wondering whether or not they would have a target on their back. And really now, he says, how can we affirm what God's word plainly says about homosexual practice, same-sex marriage, and transgender identity without being branded as homophobes, haters, and bigots, and transphobes. So how can we not have a target on our back? Did Jesus have a target on his back? Well, of course he did. You know, you know he would talk to them about uh, the sinful conditions, especially when you, you look at when he went into the temple and he overturned the tables and said, my house is not to be a house of money changers. When we talk about having a target on our back, then we Christians should expect that the world is going to hate us. 
because of our becoming a Christian. And there's a very interesting passage that Michael Brown brings up, John 15, verses 18 to 21. This is a passage that really needs to be read so people can understand why they have a target on their back. Uh, do you want to go ahead and read that? Yeah. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word said that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. And if they persecute me, they will also persecute you. And if they kept my word, they would have keep yours. But all of you know these, know these things that they will do on account of my name because they do not know who has sent me. Yeah, they do not know him who sent me, which is God the Father, and therefore they don't understand that Jesus is the right hand of God the Father in being sent in Daniel as the Son of Man to redeem the world. And therefore they hated Jesus because he did not give them credit for their good works. That's how they thought they were getting to heaven. That's why this program is about law and gospel. And he says, the darkness will always hate the light. Therefore, the world will always reject God's word. How is the world darkness? Uh, it means let your light shine and preach the truth and love and, you know, what they do, they do in darkness. Isn't that, isn't that what uh, Christ has often t talked about, that we're a light shining in the darkness of the, of the world's sins that, that are committed? Yes. And so he asks us the question, do we somehow think we can be more Christ-like than Christ, that we can be wiser than Jesus was? more loving than our savior? No. And you've got Matthew that talks about being blessed by being persecuted. How does that verse go? Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who persecute are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So when we live righteously, and that's the life of sanctification because we want to follow the word of God and we stand for righteousness, we will be opposed and we will be vilified. You can count on it. So we can bring unnecessary trouble on ourselves that isn't because of our righteousness, what are reasons why we bring unnecessary trouble on ourselves? Well, by our foul conduct, it can, it can be hypocrisy, obnoxiousness, self-righteousness, immaturity, cardinality, or, you know, something along those lines. Yes, he says, when we suffer 
for our folly, for our foolishness, that is on us. He has, it has nothing to do with the cause of Christ. But in today's hyper-aggressiveness, the LGBT activist society assures us that simply for holding our ground as Bible-honoring, Jesus-loving believers, we will be attacked, criticized, slandered, and maligned. So, what should you understand if you are a leader in the body of Christ? Well, you've called out to live and proclaim the divine truths about the concepts like life, or salvation, morality, and family. You most certainly will have a target on your back if you do things like that. Yes, he has an interesting list that I really enjoyed looking at about how we will be tempted. He says, if you speak up for the unborn, you will be targeted. If you uphold marriage and family as God intended, you will be targeted. If you engage in effective outreach to the lost, you will be targeted. If you claim salvation is only through Jesus, you will be targeted. If you resist LGBT activism in the schools, you will be targeted. If you preach the word of God with brokenness and humility, but without compromise, you will be targeted. So he says, it is inevitable and it is unavoidable. What does Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3 say? Well, indeed, all who desire to live godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So, I mean, it's, it just comes with the territory. You choose Did that life. happen to the apostles after Jesus ascended into heaven? <laughs> just read the book of Acts. You know, Acts of the well Apostles. Yeah. You know, they were thrown into jail. They were beaten. They were run out of town for telling yep. the truth. So the email ends with, Our Lord had a giant target on his back, as did his disciples. As he said, and then he quotes from Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. What is that Bible passage? The disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more they will malign those of his household. Uh, Who's Beelzebub? Well, of course, they're talking about Satan. Yes. And so they call Jesus a follower of Beelzebub because they did not believe he could forgive sins. And therefore, those who are of the household of God, and that's every Christian, guess what? You will therefore be maligned. So if your church is not being maligned or attacked or targeted, 
then this article is saying that you are not really following the word of God. I, I can't believe how many pastors don't speak the law, namely against sinful behavior, because people say, well, if you say that, it's going to divide the congregation. So this leads us to another uh, email that you received from William Wolf, And he says, in regard to the biblical worldview, what is there a need for? A need for courage. Courage to speak out and have a reason to have a backbone. You know, for instance, take the skeleton of a body and the, and the entire collapse uh, of its uh, body. We'll take uh, the skeleton fine. out of a body and the entire thing collapses into that a useless right. pile. In other words, it doesn't matter if you believe all the right things or that you believe them strongly if you don't have the courage to take action, your convictions are ultimately worthless. And so why is there such a need for Christians and pastors across the country to be more courageous? Well, yeah. You should believe that, that children should be protected against the radical ideology and, and groomers. And you should know about the preborn babies that are deserving equal protection of the law. It, it was interesting. I remember a couple of years ago on your broadcast, you brought up that about pedophilia, that they were going to go around talking about that it's okay to do with children. And that seems to be a, a, a problem for for us today. Yes, and there's a, a lot of problems. I think one of the uh, problems that this individual who sent the email, William Wolf, says, you know, you can see that William Leah Thomas is a man, but he pretends to be a woman and competes against girls in NCAA swimming. In fact, there was a girl who has left swimming because she was beaten by two men who were pretending to be girls. That, that's what this transgender nonsense is about. Hmm. Yeah. So never mind you the courage to, to speak out. Yes, you need, you need to, be, to be the Christian in the square t talking about these things. Yes, Christians should have more courage than anyone else. Why is that? Well, if you are in Christ, we are on his side. Christians should have more courage because we had the creator God of our universe on our backside. You know, he, he uh, takes us through the valley of the shadow of death. He's with us every step of the way in, in this world around us. Nothing happens to us without his say-so. Yes, 
he uh, quotes a book uh, entitled Biblical Answers to Today's Big Issues by James Garlow. And he makes a really important point you don't ever think about. Remember, God sent 12 of the Israelites to Canaan to check out the land. Do you remember the names of the 10 who came back from scouting the promised land, but they had an anxious, pessimistic report? Do you know their names? No, that's what I found interesting about in telling the story. We don't, we don't to this day, remember the, the names of those 10. We just remember how pessimistic and how, how down they were about it. But we do remember the names of the two spies that, that uh, did speak up. Yes. And who were they? Joshua and Caleb. Joshua, of course, we've got the book of Joshua, but he also goes on to become a leader of the Israelites. And Caleb, who, uh, which they were the only two of their generation to go into the promised land. Yes, because they went into Canaan just, uh, oh, not very long after they left Egypt, but God sent them back for another 32 years to walk in the wilderness. And they were the only two from their generation to enter into the promised land because of their being courageous. So, you know, you know, and I think that's an important point is even though those two were the courageous ones, they, they went through those 32 years out in the wilderness with the rest of them always knowing that they were going to go into that promised land. They they stood out, I'm sure, as leaders within the people of Israel during those 32 years. Yes, I had a uh, individual, a listener to Law and Gospel on KFUO, and he was working at a job, and this is mentioned in this email, that if he spoke out against uh, being misgendered, like a person born as a man wanted to be a woman or vice versa, um, that he used the wrong pronouns, he could be fired from his work. And oh that's happening in today's society. That, that is wild. So... We have to overcome the obstacles to speaking up and the excuses for cowardice. That, that's why KFUO is so important, because you have a consistent message of Jesus Christ throughout the day. And by listening to it, you're hearing what God wills for your life. But you are able to do these things and have the courage to do them because of his promises. What promises does he have to help you throughout life? Well, he has a promise that he'll be be with us wherever we go. I, I think uh, it's a reminder that 
that we need to be like Joshua and Caleb. And uh, it's time to have the, have the courage. There, there are two ways to for us to have uh, courage. And one of them is to overcome our speaking up and excuses for cowardness. And that we have uh, uh, the argument that Christ is with us. Yes, he makes a point that you'll find Christians who say, you know, I preach Jesus, but they are unwilling or ill-equipped or perhaps even afraid to engage with the scripture says about other issues. Now, it's important to preach Jesus, he writes, but it's also important to preach what Jesus preached. And that was the understanding of the kingdom manifested on earth. That's why he taught the disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the gospel is a message about a spiritual hope, the forgiveness of sins through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But that spiritual hope doesn't spirit us away from the physical world. Now, Jesus calls us to be salt and light. You've already mentioned that from Matthew 5, 13 to 16. And what is the purpose of salt? Well, it is to add flavor to it. it for, for us, it's... Uh, spread out his hands, Jesus spread out his hands across on the cross to save our souls. The least we can do is roll up our sleeves and hands and, and dirty to help make the world for our souls a better place through the political process. You know, the political process is collectively something that we order our society and communal lives together for the common good. As Christians, we believe the common good must be based upon creation order. Uh, so for salt to have its tastiness, its flavor, is to, to have it according to the way God has intended the world to be through his word. Yes. He quotes from the Lord of the Rings, uh, the two towers, where one person tries to convince the king to join the fight against the evil forces. But the king fears that joining the fight might be too costly and argues, I don't want to bring further death to my people. I do not want to risk open war. But then the individual talking to the king replies, coldly but clearly telling him the truth. Open war is upon you whether you would risk it or not. And then he writes that okay. an open culture war is already upon Christians in the United States, whether we would risk it or not. I think that's a, a great statement that they make there, that uh, whether we want it or not, it's there and uh, explained to we, we are not born between wars. 
we're alive in a time to mutual tumultuous ideas and concepts. We are in war, a war, to, war for truth, righteousness, and justice. It kind of reminds me of Ephesians chapter 1, where it ends up talking about Jesus as the head of the church. And going to chapter 2, and it talks about the prince of the power, power being there. And then ends up talking about Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 where uh, by faith we are saved. We are collectively a workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Yeah, a Lutheran pastor by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a man who did all he could to fight against Hitler. He was imprisoned because of his views against Hitler, and he was finally put to death. But what did he say is the ultimate test of a moral society. It's the kind of world that you leave behind for his children. You know, uh, just because we're, we're on the backside of our lives as as older adults, we're, we're looking towards our children's future and this, this fight for, for our culture and bring up the the good news of Jesus Christ is is for the next generation as well. Yes. Fighting to save our children from radical gender ideology and the horrors of abortion won't be pretty. Fighting against Marxists who are working diligently to separate children from their parents will be costly and it will look and sound like a war because it is. For example, in Michigan, uh, they uh, passed a law now that children who want to change their gender from male to female, that that can be done without telling their parents. In other words, surgery can be done to these children and kept secret from their parents. So, These emails tell us that we've got a target on our back and we need to be courageous. We thank you very much, Pastor, for helping us through these biblical worldviews, the need for courage and recognizing we will have a target on our back like did Jesus. So tomorrow, you can email with a question. Listen to God bless you. Each weekday morning at 9:30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel PO Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.